everybody. Welcome to the Basis Points Podcast. I'm Kevin Flanagan, Head of Fixed Income Strategy at Wisdom Tree Asset Management. And with everything that's been going on in the treasury market, especially of late, we thought it would be a great idea to bring back Matt Hornbach, Global Head of Macro Strategy from Morgan Stanley, to talk about what is going on and what we can expect going forward. So, Matt, great having you on again. Kevin, thanks a lot for having me back on the podcast. It's a real pleasure to uh, to be with you today. So, Matt, you you put out a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago called the thirty-one trillion dollar distraction. It it is it is a must read. I think for anybody involved in the fixed income markets, and, and you talk about at that point, obviously, U.S. public debt making new headlines, coming in at thirty-one trillion for the first time, and it's not going lower, unfortunately over the next few years. But I thought what was interesting is that when people see that kind of number, you know, they, they wonder who's going to buy this debt. You have the Fed in quantitative tightening. You have higher rates abroad. Maybe foreign investors don't get involved. And I just wanted you to, to take us through it a little bit, what you think are some of the more important points investors should be considering. Yeah, Kevin, when I think about the purchases of U.S. Treasury securities and what investors who buy Treasury securities should be most concerned about, it's the value proposition that Treasuries are offering investors, either in a portfolio context uh, or in a certain sort of stream of, of, of coupon payments, income payments to the end buyer. Um, and they should also be concerned with whether or not uh, yields are more likely to go up or go down, and therefore those securities may produce a, a capital gain or, or a capital loss. So those are the issues I think that investors should be most concerned with, as opposed to who is going to buy all of the debt. Uh, so, for example, if, if I could tell you, Kevin, you know, exactly who would buy all of the debt over the next year, let's say. Uh, and I would I could tell you with 100% accuracy uh, who's going to buy all of the debt. If I could say, well, the commercial banking system will buy 10% of the debt, uh, pension funds in the United States will buy 10% of the debt, uh, asset managers uh, who invest money on behalf of households and institutions would buy 30% of the debt, and so on. If I walked you through an exact mapping of who would buy all of the debt in the next 12 months, I would still then have the challenge of figuring out the price at which they would buy it, um, which is ultimately what really matters for the direction of treasury yields. Um, and, and so I, I tend not to, I tend to skip the middleman when I think about um, you know, forecasting the direction of treasury yields, I tend to focus less on who's going to buy the debt. I tend to take it a bit more on faith that somebody will. Uh, but I kind of skip to that to that next that next stage in the process, which is really trying to figure out the price at which people will will buy the debt. So, in other words, people shouldn't get hung up who's going to buy it. Maybe they should be focusing more on. Okay, what level does it need to get to? Do you think that's a fair way of looking at it? A absolutely. Um, and, and that actually brings me to a, a recent note uh, that we sent to our um, clients just this past week, which highlighted 
Um, actually, a pretty interesting dynamic that showed up in the U.S. Treasury market just over the past couple of months. And, and that dynamic is that we now see value in U.S. Treasuries for the first time in some time. And we, we had not seen Treasury yields throughout the course of most of this year at level at yield levels that were presenting investors with a real value proposition. Um, it, it was the case even late last year, even in the middle of last year, where Treasury yields, much lower than they are today, weren't offering investors very much value. Um, well, you know, today what we find is that investors actually can get a lot of value out of owning longer-term Treasuries, uh, certainly from a portfolio hedging perspective. You know, if you're you have a, a portfolio of riskier asset classes, equities corporate bonds, uh, and the like, um, you actually now have very attractive risk-free yields in longer-term securities in the Treasury market that um, are offering you real hedging value. Uh, and, and so that 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 has really only showed up on our models in, in the past couple of months. So we, we flagged that to our, our clients. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, one one area or theme we're focusing on as well as we move towards the end of this year and into 2023, is if you look at yield levels in treasuries, I mean, you're going back, say, 15 years to to write the last time we saw reading such as this. You have a whole generation of financial advisors, investors, who maybe never have seen treasury yields at these levels. I don't think that is necessarily, you know, a, a, a dramatic exaggeration. If you're talking about something that's a, a decade or a decade and a half here, and it's interesting that, you know, some of the conversations we're having, people looking at fixed income just in general, treasuries, I say, in particular, just from, from a rate perspective, as coming back into maybe a more traditional role uh, for overall investing when we go into 2023, because we're no longer talking about negative rates abroad, zero to 1% interest rates here. You're actually looking at rates as I said that, I mean, just the, the other day in the treasury market, pretty much every coupon had a four handle on it in terms of yield. A absolutely. Really, the, the big theme uh, from my perspective in the government bond markets over the past 10 to 20 years was investors complaining that yields were too low. And, you know, the, the thinking throughout that period of time, of course, one of the major themes in the market was secular stagnation. The thinking was that yields would never go back to these types of levels because ultimately too many people wanted them to, right? It was almost as if <laughs> treasury yields at these levels would solve too many problems for them to actually return to these levels. And now that we're here, you know, everybody uh, it seems to be more concerned that they continue will continue to go higher, and that and a lot of that concern stems from this question of who will buy all of the treasuries, and and that's really the point that we are, um, you know, pushing back against in 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 our note, um, the 31 trillion dollar distraction. Because it it is a distraction. It's taking investors' eyes away from the prize, so to speak. And that is ultimately, what is the Fed going to do with its monetary policy? That is what we should all be focusing on, 
because that is the biggest driver of where treasury yields will go from here. So uh, I, I have to ask you the question then. So you had the article in the Wall Street Journal last week. It's interesting, right? Before the last few meetings, all of a sudden we get these articles in the journal <laughs> about the Fed, um, 75, 50, that kind of a thing. So do you think it's it's a big deal? Say they do 75 uh, next week and they move to 50 in December. Is is that what's important or is where is the terminal rate going? What What's more important to be considering? I, I think the... Um, I don't think it's a big deal uh, that the Fed hikes another 75 basis points in November and then another 50 basis points in, in, in December. I mean, those rate moves are already in the price of forward-looking markets. I think what is most important near term is when does the Fed stop the hiking cycle, if only a temporary you know, stop uh, in the cycle, you know, that would still be an important change in the dynamic for Fed policy. If they were to pause the hiking cycle um, at four and three quarter percent or five percent, um, just the fact that they are, are pausing the cycle is an important element um, when thinking about what the Fed may do next. The, the, the next most important thing to focus on is ultimately the trajectory for lab the labor market and for inflation. Uh, what, what we've come to understand in general terms is that before the Fed stops the hiking cycle, they want to have some confidence that inflation on a year-over-year -year basis has put in a peak, right? That we can look back th two, three, four months into the past on a chart of year-over-year -year inflation and be able to see clearly a peak. Um, you know, that's not to say that those rates of inflation won't pick up again, that they could very well pick up again, of course, but the Fed wants to have some confidence that the peak is in for now. And that would be enough for them to stop the hiking cycle. From that point onwards, we'll want to pay close attention to the labor market and inflation to see if that peak is sustained, if inflation is, is truly headed lower. Um, those would be critical, you know, and, and the labor market is softening. Those would be critical elements uh, for the bond market in its quest to ultimately price in uh, what the Fed will do next. So last question. So, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion or, or from the Fed itself, Fed speak, with respect to we need to be careful not to reverse these rate hikes too soon. Um, do you think that the Fed, do, or should we take them at their word, they're going to be in a raise and hold pattern for a good portion uh, of next year before we should think about rate cuts? So, Kevin, I'm really glad that you asked me this question because <clears throat> there was a change in a particular uh, a particular portion of the FOMC minutes. The, it's the minutes uh, uh, that were written in the wake of the September FOMC me meeting. So effectively an account of um, what was spoken about at the September FOMC me meeting. And in, in the minutes from that meeting, it, um, it was acknowledged the criteria that would have to be met in order for the Fed to 
uh, take interest rates off of that that wherever they end up plateauing. In other words, it was a a, a list of essentially a an idea giving us an indication as to what would be required before interest rates would start to move lower. And what the Fed said in the minutes was that they would want convincing evidence that inflation was on track to return to 2%. Uh, it's really the first indication um, from the Fed as to what would be required for them to begin to lower interest rates. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does convincing evidence that inflation is on track to return to 2% actually look like? Um, you know, this is a guessing game in, in, in many ways. We're trying to figure out what, you know, uh, you know 19 people uh, consider to be convincing and, and what they consider to be on track to return to 2%. Um, you know, if, if I had to take a guess at what that would mean, I would be looking for six months of inflation data that annualized below 3%. I don't think that it has to be all the way back at two. And certainly I wouldn't suspect that the year over year rate of inflation would need to return all the way to two. But I think if they get six months of inflation data, that when you annualize it into a year over year rate, looks like inflation has moved below 3%, um, fr down from, you know, north of five, uh, that would that would be pretty convincing evidence, at least to me, that inflation was on track to return to 2%. And if you ask our economists at Morgan Stanley what they're forecasting for inflation, um, they would tell you that by the time we get to July of 2023, that we will have six months of inflation data that are annualizing just below 3%. So, you know, that to me is a very interesting forecast for what it may imply uh, for Fed policy in the second half of 2023 and beyond. This is great stuff, Matt. I mean, you know, arguably this is one of the worst years on record for the bond market. Perhaps opportunity is knocking in 2023 for one of the better performances for fixed income in the market. We're going to leave it there. That was Matt Hornbach, Global Head of Macro Strategy, Morgan Stanley. Thanks again, Matt. Hope to have you on again soon and be well, everybody. Thanks, Kevin. And before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at wisdomtree.com. Read it carefully.